Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Lindsay talking about Step 5. Hey everybody, my name's Lindsay, I'm an alcoholic. Hi Lindsay. Hi Lindsay. But I'm sober today. I like saying that, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm sober today. And it sounds like a, like a contradiction, you know, how can that be? How can I be an alcoholic and I can be sober today? And... Um, you know, I, li- I like to think that um, you know, that's a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm an alcoholic, but I'm sober today. And um, it's not just a miracle; it's actually a, a whole series of miracles that took. Um, you know, it took a miracle for me to actually put down the drink. It took a miracle for me to embark on doing these steps. And um, there's, uh, I'm just going to read a couple of little bits. I'm going to read these so that I get the language right because I like the the language of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it says, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked. Now, I can say that um, <clears throat> one of the reasons why it's a miracle that I got sober is that I've balked at every damn one of these steps, and uh, including this one. And I can say, uh, you know, with the first step, um, admitted that I was powerless over alcohol, um, that our lives had become unmanageable. I didn't believe that I was powerless, really. I believed that what I needed was more willpower. I just needed to collect my massive willpower altogether and make one last burst at this problem, and it would be all over. I didn't believe that admitting powerlessness... I thought that was the opposite to what I should be doing, and I looked at this program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I thought, that's a cop-out, you know? This is this giving up and saying that your life's unmanageable, throwing your hands up came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So this is talking about God, isn't it? You know, this, <laughs> this, is, this is that God stuff. So, and that's that stuff that's up on the wall, you know, those God banners. And uh, they're, they're wanting, they're saying that God's going to restore me to sanity. So they're telling me that I'm insane. You know, that's, how dare they? You know? Tell me that I'm insane and that I need God. I made a, I'm, going to, I'm going to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understood him. You've got to be joking. You, know? you have to be joking. Uh, for a start, I've got no idea what they're talking about when they say God. And um, uh, this thing about um, a power greater than myself. Yeah, you know, you sure about that? Um, and then this bit. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. They want me to go through and list everything that's wrong with me. And um, you know, what's the point of that? What's the point? I cannot see it. And then this bit here, in the, in the fifth step, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. That means that I've got to tell somebody else about it. And I can't see why I need to do that. You know. Um, so... I had to come to terms with each one of these individually and um, I, I sort of understood the powerlessness. Um, they told me about um, you know, this, this um, honest reflection. They said, when I go back through my drinking career and I look at all of those examples <coughs> of times when I was really trying to stop drinking and I couldn't, times that I, it was really important for me to be sober and I was pissed, um, times that I let people down, times that I made promises, you know, promises to my children and to my, my wife and 
um, you know, all the irresponsibility and that sort of thing. And I was, I was unable to stop that under my own power. I didn't have enough power myself. And um, I was able to come to terms with the fact that, I, that I, this had me beat. Alcohol had me beat. I was powerlessness. And as a result of that powerlessness and, and about the fact that I denied that I was powerless, my life became unmanageable. My life was unmanageable in all areas, not just, um, you know, my physical and mental health, my relationships with my family members, my, my working environment, um, you know, and then you know, we get down to emotional and spiritual health. Um, that was real un unmanageability and I became convinced that I had to find a power greater than myself that would restore me to sanity. Now, um, one, of the, one of the things that, um, when I first got my copy of the big book, um, I didn't start from the beginning, uh, I went straight to, um, to We Agnostics because that was the one, I realised that um, this, this God stuff was going to be the stuff that was going to give me the most, the most problems. And I'll just give you, I'll just give you a little bit here. Um, so uh, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. And I thought, you beauty, this is my out. I can, I, can, I can define my own God. I can come up with my own concept of God. And I thought, uh, okay, I'm going to choose an easier, softer God. I'm going to choose God light. And um, this, this God, this God is going to allow me a bit of wiggle room, you know, with the truth. And there's going to be a few things when I get to that step four that I'm going to be able to manoeuvre around and not quite be totally upfront about. And that'll mean that I'll be able to get, you know, I don't know, I had all this stuff planned. But, but um, you know, you can see... You can see how difficult this was going to be for me, you know, this, this process of the 12 steps. And it was because of the person that I'd become in, the, in my drinking career, you know? The, the way that, um, the way that I've, just, I've just got a few choice words about myself to make sure that I don't, I don't sort of miss any of them. You know, one of the big things that was about me that was that I was cynical, you know? It was difficult to tell me anything. It's sort of the opposite of humility. If I, was, if I was cynical and negative about something that you were trying to be um, positive and enthusiastic about, then that somehow made me better than you because it was like as though I knew something that you didn't, you know. I was able to criticise and put down and belittle and I did that sort of stuff in, in all areas of my life, you know. I didn't want to be told anything. I was secretive and I was isolated. Uh, I was resentful, jealous. I was full of fear, you know. I was volatile and unpredictable. You know, you couldn't tell what you were going to get, how I was going to react. And all of this sort of thing came out in my, in my behaviours, in the way I behaved towards people, and especially the people that were closest to me, especially the people who didn't deserve to be treated that way. So I was manipulative and I was dishonest and I was accusing and I was derisive. And, um, I, you know, I, I 
pushed people away from me and I pushed the people who, um, who loved me away from me. And um, it was a very difficult position to, to come back from in order to do, to do these steps and to make a reasonable <coughs> fist of these steps. So I had, I had to somehow break through this layer upon layer of rationalisation and justification and dishonesty. And when I found that, um, I found that because of that, when I got to doing my fourth step, it was impossible for me to be objective about my, about things that were to do with myself. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't produce a uh, a thorough and honest moral inventory of myself because I couldn't break through the layers of that I'd built up as a way of protecting myself against the world. You know. So I needed a lot of help with this, and um, so there I was with my, um, you know, my my god light, um, and um, trying to you know make the best that I could with uh, this tenuous grasp that I had I had of um, you know, anything to do with spirituality, uh, and I set out to to write my life story somewhere in here. It actually it actually refers to that. Um, it uses those words, um, you know, where we. Um, you know, where we write our life story and I thought that was what I had to do and I started writing, you know, I was born in such and such and I lived in such and such and, and, um, and it, was, it was actually irrelevant, you know I started doing this and I started telling my sponsor what I was doing, he said no, 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 no no, no. we're not going to do it that way, we're going to do it the way, the way that it's written in here, we're going to do it the way in the big book because you'll find that if you write your whole bloody life story 95% of it's going to be irrelevant anyway because what we want is the story of your resentments and the stories of your fears and of the harms that you've done to other people. That's the bit that's relevant. This is the bit that we're going to ask to be removed. So I went back and I did it by the, you know, using the columns, resentments, you know, got down to the things that, that needed to be removed. I did the same thing with fears and I did the same thing with harms and sex conduct and such like. And, uh, and I took it to my sponsor and he... Um, he had a look, he got out his red pen and he got started telling me and pointing out where, where this could be improved on. So this is really what step five is about. It's, it's about improving on the truth, you know. I've got my version of the truth, which is filtered through all of this stuff that I've built up, all this cynicism, negativity and secrecy and, um, you know, resentfulness. And I try to write, try to write about myself. If I don't have somebody else to go through this, um, this is the sort of stuff that I'm going to be taking into my six, step six and seven. And there's going to be a lot of stuff missing. And I'm going to have my, I'm going to use all the wiggle room that I can get to get around the hard bits of the truth. And my easier, softer God is going to let me get away with it, unless I've got somebody who knows what they're doing to go through this. Then. What I'm going to be taking into my sixth and seventh step is not going to be sufficient, and I'm going to be asking for the wrong things to be removed, or I'm not going to be asking for the things that really do need removing. So, um, now fortunately for me, uh, my sponsor was neither easy nor soft, and um, he was not one that I chose for myself. He was assigned to me by people in my home group who had become very worried about my behaviour and uh, about, um, yeah, they, uh, you know, 
I, I, would, I, was, I think I was, I'd been sober for three years, sober in inverted commas, and I still would not do this stuff, I would not do these steps. Um, I sort of took on a sponsor so that I could, when people asked me, have I got a sponsor yet, I could point at someone and say, yeah, he's over there. But I never talked to him, I never rang him, never did anything <laughs> about the steps. And uh, so I, I literally got cornered, and, and I can actually show you the corner where I got cornered, up at Hurstbridge, which was my home group. Some of, the peop- some of my friends in the fellowship were worried about me. They got me up in the corner after the meeting and they said, uh, you need to do the steps and here is your sponsor. <laughs> and they introduced me to my sponsor and it wasn't the sponsor that I would have chosen for myself. Um, but, you know, we got stuck into it and, and actually, you know, um, he, he, was, he was not an easy or soft sponsor but he was a kind and compassionate sponsor and he was able to tell me he was able to correct me, he was able to tell me stuff, you know, that I was doing wrong without making me, without getting my hackles up and without, um, you know, um, in, in a way that, you know, made me feel like as though it was the right thing to do. So I was able to go through and do a bit of a rewrite on my fourth step. We went through it again and I actually did go through it with a second person after that because we'd spent so much time on it together. And I went through it with this time with the Minister of Religion, which was, oh, you know, I didn't think that I'd be going in that direction, but um, that was that was a very um, a very great way to do it as well. So, um, so I was able to do this without bypassing step five. And what I what I brought then into step six and seven was a, a you know much more fearless and thorough moral inventory than I would have been able to do myself under my own steam. So it was, it was vital, and in fact, without having done step, step five, if I'd diverted around step five, I probably wouldn't have stayed sober. I probably would have, um, because I'm carrying around all of these things that I haven't handed over. They're the things that I'm carrying around. I pick up, get up in the morning, I pick up a big bag of burdens, and I put them over my shoulder, and I trudge through the day. And if I keep doing that long enough, I'm going to eventually go back, go back to drinking. These are the things that I needed to remove. So, um, you know, so why is it that we do step five? Um, why is it that we don't bypass it? Why, you know, it it's, it's in order to, to get a thorough knowledge of our, of our condition, to get a thorough knowledge of um, all of our defects of character um, in, in a you know, in a, in a deep and thorough way, in a way that we wouldn't be able to do ourselves. So, um, um, that's right. So if I, if I bypass it, I don't do that and I continue to carry that burden. Um, so the benefits of, of doing Step 5 can be listed as, um, you know, to, to remove that dreadful isolation that comes from holding on to these secrets. You know, I know that... Um, I know that I, I can't give away these secrets. That means that all of that time that I spend up in my head carrying these secrets is very sick. You know, like, like, like Kath was saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. The more secrets I'm carrying, the sicker I am. So there's huge benefit in doing that. It enables me to, to, um, to forgive others. It gives, me a, it gives me a chance of talking out these situations that I've found in my fourth step and these resentments that I've discovered and what I've then discovered about myself enables me to forgive other people and very importantly it enables me to forgive myself. You know, I've got somebody else that I can talk to about this, I can talk to, I've got the person who knows 
the most about me, really, is after I've done this step five, then becomes my sponsor. This is the person who knows more about me than anything else, especially this shit. And um, so because of that, having that ability to be able to share this, I've got somebody, I've got um, the ability to forgive myself, you know. And then, um, you know, the other thing about it is this, this is a, um, this requires considerable humility. So um, disclosing all of this stuff in a true way to another person is a real test of how much humility have I got. And I need plenty of humility and I'm going to need more humility to continue with the remainder of the steps and to be able to be in a position where I can pass this message on to, another, to other people. I need heaps of humility. And uh, this is a way to gain true humility by coming face to face with the things that I need to have removed, my defects of character. So, um, as with many of the other steps, um, that step five has has some promises, and um, you know I think you're, you're all very very familiar with the step nine promises and the step ten promises. The step step five has a set of promises as well, and I just thought that I'd I'd read these out again. Um, word for word, because I I like to be able to use the the word which is the words which have become the language of alcoholics the world over, recovering recovering alcoholics, and uh, I can't remember this stuff word for word, so I'm going to read it, and it's something to do with um, you know I'm older than I once was, and uh, younger than I'll be, but that's not unusual. Um, we finally saw. That faith in some kind of God was a part of our make. Oh, wait a minute, is that the right one? That's not the one. That's not the one. Just hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I have actually got 25, and I'm just about to finish, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> on page on page 75, uh, in the, in the um, chapter into action in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, about halfway down, say once we have taken this step, referring to the fifth step, withholding nothing. We are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. Uh, The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel that we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So that's the fifth step promises. Thank you very much for letting me share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting me share.